Anyway, I said uh, earlier, there's a bulletin, fill in the blanks. If that helps you follow along with the message or hits home the, uh, the items we're touching on today, then that's great. Uh, if you need a writing implement, you can raise your hand and we can try to find you one. I think we have a basket at the back of the sanctuary. Um, but we've got several different passages there, so don't get too uh, overwhelmed with, uh, with them. But they're all right there uh, in your bulletin at how many different ones. We'll, we'll be in Matthew 6, 9 through 13 for a portion of it. But last week, we looked at prayers for protection, right? We were talking about this, this thing that the Church of Nazarene in USA, Canada is focusing on is this prayer movement. And specifically, we're focusing on these three items. Um, what is the Lord, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you and about yourself, about the Lord's protection, direction, and revelation for your life. We're praying about these concepts. And last week we talked about protection. Safeguarding, one of the items of that, safeguarding us uh, from health problems, daily complications, major disasters, natural or man-made. And we can pray for protection from all kinds of things, but it's just icing on the cake. One thing I forgot to share with you last week was the words that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that he was betrayed. Mark 14, 36a says this, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Even Jesus, who knew the cup that was being passed to him, a cup of suffering, pain, anguish, and death, he asked to be delivered, to be protected from it. Well, today, we look at the very last part of that verse. You notice I said A, because if you read the entire verse, it says this, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Does that wording sound familiar to you? Perhaps it sounds a little bit like something you'll find. If you have a hymnal in front of you, I want you to take a moment and turn to the number uh, 633. We're not singing a song. It's actually a reading. And we're going to just look at the last little bit of said reading. Not the whole one. I tried to actually find this. I thought, oh, well, we'll probably have a reading that is the Lord's Prayer in the hymnal. And it's actually a combination of prayers all uh, connected in number 633 in your hymnal. Uh, and I'd like us to read just the lower part that says unison together, uh, if you would. And it starts like this. And if you know it from heart, that's fine. And you can read it whichever way. Um, this one uses the words debts and debtors just to give you a heads up. Let's, let's read this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We can read that last part together. It says this, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, I just want to point out just one thing about that. Um, that last line, um, your will be done. We're praying to God and agreeing that we desire his will to be done even at the expense 
and usually, especially at the expense of our own will. Now, I do want to point out this, this is the prayer for direction. This is the end goal of praying for God's direction. We start with the end in mind, thy will be done. If that's what it looks like, then how do we get there? And that's hopefully what we will discover together in the next few moments. Uh, I do want to point out that that last little bit, yours is the kingdom for glory and power. The reason that if you read that in your Bible and it omits that, but you might have a little footnote. Mine did. I love footnotes. They give me context. Um, it says some late manuscripts include for yours is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. The meaning of that is the later printed manuscripts of the Bible. It doesn't mean somebody added or subtracted just like the copies that we had. They said this basic scriptural integrity of, of studying God's word is that the oldest manuscripts are usually the most accurate. And so when it says that in your footnotes in your Bible, it doesn't mean to d- disclude this little item here. It's in a footnote. It's still there. But just to let you know, the, the oldest stuff doesn't usually happen. Okay, that's just a little bit of a uh, side trail there. But let's look at this first one here. My will be done. My will be done. Do you know somebody who always has to have it their own way? You do. You don't have to look around the room. Just, just, just nod inside your head. They always want to do this. I want to do this. Let's do this. And they try to get everybody going the, the direction that they want. Or I want to eat at Culver's. Let's go. <laughs> and there's a million other examples. But there's a strong chance that you know someone like this. They really like having their idea be the one that happens. When they don't get their idea picked, you know what? They take their ball and they go home. (laughs) They are out of the conversation. They don't even want to discuss another option if it's not theirs. They'd rather be on their own than do something, someone else's idea. Jonah, going Old Testament on you here, Jonah was that kind of person. You see, he was all good with God's direction so long as they fell in line with his desires and comfort level. We see evidence of this at the end of the story when things don't go his own way, when his shade plant is destroyed, when the people he preached condemnation over repented and God saved them. He throws a tantrum like he's a little baby. He takes his ball and goes home. But we have to start from the beginning with Jonah. It all starts with Jonah hearing from God and then doing the exact opposite. Says this, Jonah 1, 1 through 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Remember what I said last week about protection, direction, revelation? If you weren't here, no, you don't. That's okay. This is what God was saying to me, and I wanted to share it with everybody here, is this. When we are following the Lord's directions, kicked off by his revelation, protection is just icing on the cake. You see, Jonah was blessed. And you go, how blessed was he? Now let me try that again. Jonah was so blessed. How blessed was he? He was so blessed 
that he had divine revelation giving him clear directions on what God wanted him to do. <laughs> That's how blessed he was. It was clear that God wanted what God wanted Jonah to do. How do we know? Because it says that he did the exact opposite of what God wanted him to do. So Jonah is blessed with the clear direction of God, spoken plainly to him, and he says, not your will, God, but my will be done. There are plenty of example, examples of this attitude throughout Scripture. Unfortunately, there are plenty of examples of this attitude around us in daily life. People who use tragedies to advance their political and personal agendas. And I just want to I just wanted to introduce these ideas of my will and thy will because we need to stop right there and ask ourselves these two questions. Who around you has that kind of an attitude? Think about that. Now, think about this other one. In what ways do you have that kind of an attitude? As you contemplate that, I'd like to move on to the other side of this discussion. Think about those attitudes, other people's attitudes, your own, but we'll go on to this other one here called thy will be done. You see some people, unlike Jonah, some people hear from God and they say, or actually they say, nope, that's Jonah. They say, nope. <laughs> Others will say, whatever you want, Lord. There was a few people in the Old Testament, very, very much were on that side of the whatever you want, Lord. Daniel and his three companions, for sure. They were willing to die for what they believed in. Bowing to anything or anyone else other than God was wrong. They believed it wholeheartedly. And they were totally devoted to God, and they were willing to be burned alive or torn to pieces to show and prove their integrity, to show that they would not bow to anyone other than God. And this comes back to Jesus in the garden. Jesus knew for a while that he would have to suffer and die. In Luke 9, 22, Jesus speaks about this candidly. And here's the verse. It says, And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. He says this right after Peter just declared that Jesus was God's Messiah. Well, Eight days after this first prediction, so track with me here, eight days later, Jesus is praying on the mountaintop and his transfiguration takes place. There's that, that key moment in his ministry. So in the middle of two victorious things rested the reality. Life isn't going to be sunshines, sunshine and roses. There is pain, there is burden, misery, anguish, Yet Jesus kept right on trucking along with God's path. He even predicted his own death again, about nine days after his first prediction. Jesus says it again in a different way. Nine, Luke 9, 44. Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. And then after that, you've got to flip pretty far, pretty far or scroll in your device to Luke chapter 18, verses 31 through 33. It says this, Jesus took the 12 aside, 12 aside and told them 
We are going to Jerusalem and everything that has been written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. He will, they will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. Jesus knew. Every time he headed to be alone in prayer, he knew the direction he was heading in life. He explained it best to the simple folk who loved and followed him. But they didn't really fully understand what he was talking about until after his crucifixion, his death, and resurrection. Jonah and Jesus. Jesus, at a certain point, himself compares himself to the Old Testament prophet. Interesting. So our comparison today is not unusual. When dealing with clear direction from God, they were both fighting. But what were they fighting? (laughs) You see, Jonah and Jesus both heard from the Lord and both put up a fight. Jonah was fighting against God's direction for his life. He fought against a very clear, laid-out plan to bring a message to, the, to a lost people. A people that later Jonah revealed he did not believe God should have been merciful to. Imagine that. You think, Jonah, you think you know better than God as to who receives mercy? Don't we? <laughs> don't we think that? Are there people we believe don't, believe, don't deserve God's mercy? Maybe not we wouldn't say it, maybe not in practice, but in our hearts, there's sometimes where we I don't really want to tell that person about Jesus. I don't really want to invite them to church because they might actually come. <laughs> oh, man. Again, put yourself in Jonah's sandals for a second. Picture the worst person on the face of the earth, worst in history or even worse in recent events. A whole lot of evil has been perpetrated recently, so I can't imagine it's difficult for you to think of. Now picture you telling God they don't deserve mercy. That person deserves, that person doesn't deserve your forgiveness. They should not and ought not get any of that, God. That's what Jonah was fighting. He was fighting against the will, the direction, the clear plan God had laid out for him. God said, go to that great city of Nineveh. God told him this and Jonah heads the other way. So Jonah fought. He fought against the will of God. Jesus fought. He fought against his own desires, his own self-preservation. Every time he stepped away to pray, he was fighting on his knees. He was fully giving himself over to God's direction for his life. Not only did he fight, but he taught his disciples to pray this way as well. Matthew 6, 9 starts off with Jesus saying this, This, then, is how you should pray. And we read it just a little bit ago, so let's listen together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. One of, the mo- one of the harmonizing, this, this prayer is one to harmonize the human will and, the, and desire 
with humility and godly desire. This prayer right here, when you approach it, not just in words, but in spirit, this then is how you should pray, not this is the only prayer you should ever pray. There is a difference. In the way that you pray, pray like this. Address God as Father. Be humble. Desire what he desires. Today, I want to conclude our message with a little demonstration that came to my mind. I will need a total of three volunteers. I've got my last two, but I need a first one who is willing to come up. And uh, yeah, I've already conscripted my children for my last two volunteers, but I need one more volunteer who's willing to just come up here, who trusts me enough that I'm not going to make a complete fool of them uh, in front of the rest of the group. Oh, thank you, Terry. I appreciate it. (laughs) You tried to volunteer your wife and she volunteered you. Is that what happened? No. Okay. Well, thank you, Terry, for that. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Now, I've got, I need you to achieve something, and I'm going to give you 10 seconds to achieve it. And that, girls, go sit down. I have not called on you yet, okay? Okay. All right? Are you ready? I have no idea. Okay. Go ahead. What? Go ahead and achieve the goal. What goal? This is the longest 10 seconds we'll ever have. <laughs> Go ahead. I think it's past. I think it's past 10 seconds. Let's give him a big round of applause for trying, question mark. Thank you, Terry. Um, Terry, what was the problem? Didn't know what the goal was. Oh, you know what? Let's go ahead and fix that. Okay. Um, uh, Kaylee, will you please come up here? And I need that uh, fabric uh, that John has. Okay. Okay. So, Kaylee, here's what's going to happen. Come here. Come here. I need you to come over here on the side of the, of the room. Okay. We're going to stand right here. Right here. Okay. Now. Do you think you should know what the goal is before we start this, this activity? Activity? Yeah, I told you. Exactly. Or your hair off, right? Anyway, here's, as, you're, as, I, as you're removing your glasses from your hair that I just shoved in there for some reason, um, without a haircut, um, I will explain to you the goal of this activity. Yes. Are you listening? Yes. Okay, hopefully you are. So, I'm going to have you walk from this side of the room all the way to the other side and touch the piano with your hand. Okay? Alright? That is the goal. Now, before you get to go and do that goal, a couple things are going to happen. Okay? First of all, we're going to do this. We're going to find you. Now, you got to be honest with me because, you know, in kids, kids' church, they're all like, I can't see, and they can see down underneath the blindfold, the floor. Are you completely with, you closed your eyes too? You're going to be on the honor system, okay? You mess up my example, then we're going to have a prayer meeting at the church. No, I'm just kidding. All right, you good? Yeah. Okay, cool. And then as, as everybody loves at birthday parties, there's no pinata, but we won't make the child dizzy. It'll be great. All right? Okay. 
Okay. And then um, one other thing I didn't, uh, I didn't mention. Is I putting stuff in your way. Okay? Just, just to let you know. All right? Now, you have also 10 seconds to get to the piano. And we'll say back. I think you, I think you could accomplish that, but with your eyes closed. All right? On your mark, get set, go. And unfortunately, we lost the recording of our third contestant, uh, Gianna, who came through. And I blindfolded her, and I set her on one side of the room, said, you need to get to the piano just like your sister did, but you can't feel your way around the room. I blindfolded her, I spun her around, and, and then I put some extra stuff in her way, and I said, you take little steps, and you listen for my voice, and you just do what I have told you to do, listen for the directions. And uh, we appreciated everybody's help today for uh, helping with this demonstration. Life is like these three examples. Our first one is the person who knows there's a goal or purpose in life, but they're not sure how to get there. If they stay that way, they will end up running out of time. Our second volunteer showed us what it's like when we know that there is a direction or a general purpose, direction to go, but how, if we don't have continual guidance, can we know how to get there? We always get tripped up, right? In the end, we get running out of time or maybe giving up altogether. We can't find the end goal. Our third example is someone who knows there is a goal, maybe has an idea of what that goal looks like, but instead of stumbling around in life, maybe feeling their way in the darkness, um, hoping and trying to get to that goal, this person hears the Lord's directions, the Lord's guidance, and follows it. They avoid snares and they avoid traps just by listening and following God's directions. Friends, where are you today? Are you unaware of the goal or how to get there? Are you trying to make it on your own, stumbling around in the darkness? Or are you listening step by step to the voice of Jesus, knowing he will guide you where he wants you to be. Prayers concerning direction require us to listen to and follow the one giving the direction. Is, it, is your life my will be done or thy will be done? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are faithful to give us guidance and direction. But all of your words and direction that you've laid out in Scripture, that you've told us through leaders throughout the years, it falls literally on deaf ears because we have plugged them. We have distracted ourselves. We have thought that we know best to get to the goal. We try our hardest, and it might not even be where you want us to end up. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to rely on you to know what the goal is in life, 
how to get there, and it trusts you step by step each day. As we pray for your protection, your direction, and your revelation, Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear from you and to follow what you tell us. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.